Okay, I think we're ready to go. Uh, some people look forward to Christmas. Um, <laughs> so I look forward to things like this myself. Um, I'm Ross Ramsey. I'm the executive editor of the Texas Tribune. Uh, I want to ask everybody to silence your cell phones. Um, if you're tweeting this, um, the hashtag is hashtag TFF. TTF. Sorry, TTF. Texas. No, 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 no. TTF. So you guys know what you're into uh, for the purpose of the cameras and the microphones. We'll say Wallace Hall was the uh, was appointed to a six-year term on the University of Texas Board of Regents in 2011. He is the chairman of the Technology Transfer and Research Committee and serves as a member on both the Facilities Planning Construction Committee and the Finance and Planning Committee. He is the board's liaison to the Governor's Office on Technology Transfer and Commercialization. Trey Martinez Fisher, a Democrat from San Antonio, has represented the 116th District in the Texas House since 2000. Sits on the Ways and Means and Special Purpose District Committees. Serves as chairman of the Mexican-American Legislative Caucus. Uh, in 2014, he and Representative Lyle Larson of San Antonio, a Republican, were assigned to monitor the University of Texas system after a House investigation into Regent activity. And that all kind of brings us here. Um, I, you know, there's a million possible ways to start this. I guess the, the first place I want to start is to ask each of you if you have ever written a letter of recommendation to get someone either admitted into a public or a private institution or on behalf of someone looking for a job at one of those institutions. Um, I have never written a letter for any, any uh, prospect for uh, for school. Never written a, a this is a good kid? It, for anyone, including my own family. Yeah. And uh, never felt like it was the appropriate thing to do because I had nothing to offer somebody back. Have you, do you think it's appropriate to offer, to ask somebody else to say, you know, hey, you know, my kid's applying or, hey, I'm applying. I'd like for you to write me a letter of recommendation. Do you think that's an appropriate for thing? For a public university? For any university. Or you for know, a job or for anything. Um, sure. I think there, there are times when, when letters can be very instructive. In, um, in helping a, an employer learn more about a, um, a person and schools. You know, those, those that are, are truly, um, you know, in the process and somebody who knows the student, the applicant, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't believe, uh, I do believe it can be abused, certainly. You know, um, <clears throat> I'd say that I, I am a uh, University of Texas trained lawyer uh, and I listen to your question and Wallace's answer, and I think your question was very specific as to have you ever written a letter, uh, that specific answer to writing a letter, I'd say yes. Uh, but whether you've ever advocated for admission for a child, friend, somebody, I think is a very fair conversation for this panel because I think the Crow Report's been very clear that regents have also exercised influence in the admissions process. Uh, uh, everything is anecdotal, but you know this is the first time we've had an opportunity to visit. And, and is there a distinction between writing a letter of recommendation or calling your lawyer on your board and well, having her make overtures on your behalf? Before we get there, let's get to my question. Have you ever written yeah, a letter of yes. recommendation? Yeah, I answered yeah. that first. I said yes. So you have? Okay. Yes. And what do you expect when you write a letter of recommendation? What do you expect will happen? I expect it to be received. You know, that's about as much control as I have is to write a letter and mail it. Uh, right. And if I can make it in the postal stream, then it was a success. Right. Do you think that's an adequate, I mean, if, if, if you recommended a kid by letter, by email, however, is that a reasonable expectation just to say, look, you know, happy to do that for you. I did it. It's done. Mission accomplished. Sure. But the, well, let me say this. His uh, representative's answer isn't completely uh, accurate. If you, it's one thing to write a letter and, and profess that, you know, he's happy if he gets in the mail stream. It's something else to reach out to the president and say, I intend on having a meeting with you and sitting down to talk about the candidate. I think that's a completely different level of pressure and uh, an intrusion into the admissions process. And I don't think any reasonable person here in the room uh, would think that a politician who does that isn't expecting to get something in return. You know, it's such an effective policy, such an effective practice that in five years, 73 people found admission to the University of Texas, the most popular public school in the state of Texas, arguably one of the best public colleges in the nation. Uh, 800,000 uh, pages of documents on Mr. Hall's lap, uh, a review, a review of the review, a review to review the review, uh, 
And if that's all you could find, I think the effectiveness of letters of recommendation, to me, that speaks for itself. Now, again, not everybody is a regent at the University of Texas system. Not everybody has Francine Frederick to make requests on behalf of regents. I think that that is a very fair discussion. If we're talking about inappropriate influence and behavior, let's talk about the messages. They don't certainly have to be in writing. Let's talk about oral communications. Let's talk about email. Uh, let's talk about the things that happen at the system office where regents are afforded favorable treatment. Are you talking about on behalf of students? I'm not a regent. I think you can. No, I'm asking you a question. Well, I, I don't have the basis to answer that question. So, so I'm, I'm curious about so one more thing on admissions, and then we'll move into some of the governance stuff here, because uh, there are some interesting questions there. Um, is there a circumstance under which somebody in management, let's just say it that way, somebody either at the university, at the regent level, in the chain of the admissions process ought to be able to say, for that one, put a thumb on the scale. The you know, intergalactic garage tech has decided to move to Texas with 10,000 jobs, and their CEO's kid is on the bubble about getting into a Texas school. Let that one in. Right. Is so, there a moment like that? Uh, well, there might be a moment like that, but um, my issue has to do with process. And we're a public university, and we have a stated set of admissions um, rules and policies right. that we advertise. Uh, these these uh, students and their families um, work very hard over a period of many years. They save their money, and they believe that they're going to be entering a, a fair process. If the fair process says, listen, we, we, we have 20 of these or 100 of these a year to where we you know, can do this for these reasons, and it can be um, transparent, that there's accountability, that the board can verify that it's done appropriately, fine. But to advertise one thing and then do another is completely dishonest. And so I, I don't believe that it's okay if you've been advertising something else. But that's my... That's my you know, and, and if it's not okay, I mean, why, why do regents have the ability to place cue holds on applications? If, I mean, is that because there's a process through which you can exercise that influence? Uh, because nobody disputes, even the Crow Report makes it very, very clear that regions have put their finger on admission files. And so if it's okay for the regents... Describe a Q-hole. You know, again, I mean, I just happen to know what's in the report. I just happen to know what's in the evidence. I, I don't sit in Mr. Hall's shoes. Maybe he can explain what a Q-hole is. But as I understand it, uh, when people make application to the university, they're processed. And if there's a Q-hole that can be placed because a president wants to keep his or her eye on an application or if a regent wants to keep his or her eye on an application, or if a lawmaker writes a letter, it's all treated the same. It's all marked and followed. So I guess I'm trying to figure out why is there an inconsistency? Why is it all of a sudden a public official who a big part of his or her job is to work on behalf of their constituents, writes a letter, and even inscribes a note that Wallace describes, why is that problematic from, and, and distinguished from a regent whispering in a system official's ear saying, I want this to happen to this, you know, this application, and that's okay. I mean, that, that's, the, that's something that I'm really trying to understand and I reconcile. I think you're saying that is okay. I'm, I'm saying that's not okay. And, right. and if it's not okay, I wanted to see where there would be 800,000 pages of documents from systems, from regions who are trying to find transparency. Why aren't we questioning ourselves internally, and why is the focus just on the UT presidency? Well, let's talk about... Let me, let me address this, sure. if I may. So you started out by saying this is the first time we've had an opportunity to discuss this. Yes. Well, the reality of it is, is you were one of the members of the Transparency Committee. And you one, had of, one of eight, yes. And you had, you had subpoena power. I invited myself to come. Mm -hmm. I said, please subpoena me. I would like to be able to answer your questions in full mm -hmm. at the risk of perjury and contempt and everything else. Yet, you never invited me. And the reason why you never invited me is because you knew the answers to these questions, <laughs> but you didn't want the public to hear the answers yeah. to these questions. And, and so the, you, you say one, um, you give one statement after another that is, you know isn't true. There were no 800,000 documents. And what really makes me extremely curious is, how do you know that I know those answers? Why didn't you ask him to come? Hey, hold on a second, you know, you're, you're refereeing, but I'm responding to him. What makes you think I know the answers? Well, 
if you didn't know the answers, then you weren't reading the material. You had all of our emails. You had all of our, you had all now the that, data. And that, that takes me to, an, I mean, we're going we're gonna to have to keep notes of all the red herrings because we can talk about your emails, the specific ones that say, why do we have to give those emails to them? Or how about the emails that say, you know what, before you give those emails to them, let me look at them first. Let me redact them. Let that, me mark them confidential. That's, that's factual. Yeah, and so, so you know, let's be clear here. The only one no, who knows I'm what's happy. in the email is no, you, I'm, right? I, I'm happy that the, 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 uh, the incident you're talking about is we were about to turn over emails that yeah. were turning well, the incident. Can I finish, please? Yes, yeah, sure. That were, that were privileged that was owned by the board. Right. And, and the they, incident that I'm talking about is transparency, which is, right. you know, you holding yourself out as the beacon of light when it comes to everybody else. But when it comes to you, there's a different standard. There's a different standard on what records you want to produce. There's a different standard in how you want to come and appear before the legislative body. Uh, incidentally, a body that governs and controls the operations and funding of your system. And at the same time, you know, no one else can make an application or a request or a letter of recommendation, but yet as long as you have a system in place internally, it's okay for you. There seems to be a couple of standards here, one for regents and one for everybody else. Uh, and so that's not true. Well, we, 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 I'm, I'm waiting for you to tell well, the me. Board is, the, the board is the body that stopped the process, that stopped that stopped this. We didn't know what cue holes were. We didn't know that holes took place. Well, did you know that regents were exercising that influence? Did you need the Crow report to tell you that? Um, we didn't know. And we, we, as in you and your colleagues, I'm talking. Well, it's just you and me right here. I'm not, 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 not you and your colleagues. I'm just want to know about you. I never exercised any influence on admissions. And you never honest. verbally or otherwise? You never I verbally? I never exercised any influence on admissions. And what was ever. curious, a lot of us were wondering, like, when you met with the director of admissions or when you attempted to meet with the director of admissions alone, the question that keeps coming up, uh, did Your you statement know is untrue. Did you Your statement is untrue. Well, I, can, I only have the emails. And I'll I know, but your, sta your statement is untrue. You, that you never attempted I never to attempted to meet with the head of admissions alone, ever. Okay. Well, no, you were going to take a system lawyer. You're right. You're absolutely right. So you wanted to take your legal team, but you wanted that admissions official. I wanted to by take himself. the system legal team. Right. And and you objected to the admissions officer's boss being in the room. Correct. Yes, that's correct. Uh, so so you want, so it's a fair fight. You want to walk it's in as fair. a region. This isn't a fight. This is this is governance. Yeah. This is an opportunity to speak. This is an opportunity to speak with somebody in admissions. Mm -hmm. We're in a federal lawsuit right now. Right. It's going back to the Supreme Court. I'm a named defendant. We were just winding up with, a, with our first review, okay, that was done internally. Mm -hmm. um, it was incomplete. For us to want to go and find out exactly what's going on, what's happening with the top 10%, are we following the rules and the laws, sure. is perfectly within our, our duty. You know, what's funny is that when your representatives from the system come to the Capitol to testify, they bring their posse. Right. They never come alone. In fact, Barry McBee's here today, sitting here watching you. And so what matters is that everybody is afforded the right to show up and present. And if they feel like they need help answering questions, if they feel like they need resources, and if you feel like it's your unfettered right to walk into any room on this campus with anybody you want to and put somebody in a room, my knowledge of labor law tells me that's a hostile work environment, right? Well, uh, you're, and, you're, you're, you're wrong about what our, our obligations are. Let me, let me stop you for so. a minute. So, so let's talk about what a region ought to be able to do and, um, and what a region ought not to be able to do. Because one of the things that's at the bottom of this seems to be, and you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, seems to be a legislature that thinks the regions went too far and sure. thinks that one region in particular overstepped his bounds while that regent was, and if I'm mischaracterizing either one of you, let me know, but while that regent was saying, look, we have something stinky here and I'm going to get to the bottom of it and I want everybody underneath our system to report back up so I have the information to decide and sure. to see whether that's the case or not. I mean, is that that's a fair true. characterization? That's fair. That's fair. So, so tell me where you think uh, the power of a regent starts and stops, and, and then we'll get his version. Regents have a fiduciary duty and an obligation to lead, to manage, and to govern. And our rules are very specific. State law is very specific on this matter. And um, if there are things that come to our attention that we, that individually, we, need, we believe we need to pursue to get good answers, we do so. That's, that's our obligation. So there is no uh, uh, limit to, um, to our obligation, our duty to the people, to our, which is the people of Texas. That's who, I, that's who I work for. Is there any part of this whole chain, this whole process that we're still in, um, where you think, well, maybe that was too far. Maybe that's farther than I thought I should go. Maybe that's farther than I wanted to go. No. 
Okay. So, you know, <clears throat> again, I mean, I'm still curious about, you know, putting an admissions officer alone in a room with system officials, uh, you know, and, and never got an answer of whether or not at that time was there any contemplation of anybody being considered for application for admission to the University of Texas that either Wallace knew or was going, you know, going to uh, assert a recommendation on their behalf. I mean, that, that, is, that is a so, fair question. And then, then I'm going to get to the answer to this other part. I mean, so. Okay, so you're going to so, answer the question too. No, no, no. I just want to lay that question out because we are yeah. talking about two standards, yours and everyone else's. Uh, and and so, so the notion uh, as it relates to that, I mean, well, you've yet well, to give a clear standard? answer. With respect to the Regents' rules, that is the, you know, that is the, always the can answer uh, for Regent Hall when he believes he has a right of access and the right to do whatever he wants, when he wants, within a UT campus. There's a state law. And the state law, it, by, by my knowledge, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be corrected by anybody in this room, the state law would trump any Regent rule any day, any time. And state law is very clear. Promote and preserve the independence of the institution. Right. Help get out of the way. In fact, I brought it here because I didn't know if he had it, and I wanted to make sure that he, as a gift to me, my, my, my mother has always told me never to show up empty-handed anywhere, so I want to make sure you have this. Okay. And it says, you shall, enhance, yeah. you shall enhance the public image of each institution under its governance, shall nurture each institution under its governance to the end that the, each institution achieves its full potential, and to preserve institutional independence. Uh, and so what's interesting, like when you read this state law and you think about the case accounting standards, if you will. Right. Uh, you know, UT just finished a capital campaign. Right. It was Mr. Hall's contention at the time that they were doing it wrong, that they didn't have a development officer, they didn't have a strategy, they were missing opportunities. Nobody collaborates in this way that's in an aspirational position, I think is some surmising his quote. Incidentally, the capital campaign ended with $3.1 billion. Incidentally, last year alone, $856 million was raised in the capital campaign, a state record. The $3.1 billion is among the top in the country. But while all this was transpiring, Mr. Hall, mindful of state law that you were to preserve the independence of the institution and shall nurture and work in furtherance of their goals, presents himself to a internationally acclaimed accounting standards and best practices group and proceeds to argue against UT's capital campaign, proceeds to challenge and question how they were going to credit a software grant in the nature of 220 million or so, something like that. And while, and while he felt like he wasn't making any headway and that Vincent and Elkins was on the other side representing the university, advocating for the university, and bear in mind, to put it all in context, Case just issued- Q&A or case, soliloquy? Case just, and so, it, you know, I, I guess if you don't like the response, I'm guessing you, you would well, have read, the, 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 but the, this isn't a Regents meeting, right? You don't, you don't, you're not running the diocese. Well, hold on, hold on. Uh, so the, the question here- well, let, me, let me finish, Ross, all right? Because you, you've gone to him first for every question, and then you come to me and you look at your watch. So let, let, me, let me finish here. I did okay. not look at my watch. Well, if you want to do litigation up here, yeah. that's not what we're here for. We're yeah. here to tell them so, what well, this I, is about. I, hold I, on a minute. I, stop. I, stop. Yeah. We're here to get both of your sides to this thing and try right. to figure out, I'm trying to get to where you think Regent should and shouldn't be able to go, where you think- And I'm giving you an example of that, okay. And, and where you think legislators ought to go. I'm curious, right. you know, one question here is why the legislature didn't say, I wonder if he has a point, let's find so that out. So nevertheless, as Mr. Reasoner was arguing with Mr. Hall in presence right. of officials on a campaign that was blowing the record, Mr. Hall then proceeds to say, you know what, I don't like that lawyer. They shouldn't do work for UT, and in fact, we have money that we owe them. Let's not pay them. Let's disgorge them. Right. Is that an example of a regent who's exercising under state law, preserving the independence of institution, nurturing that institution, and making that institution the best it can be? That is a perfect example of what a regent rule should is. never do. It absolutely is. And so I just want to go back and just finish on Kroll. Just, and I think, I doubt if it's the finish of No, well, it's, it, it'll, it'll, be my, it'll be my finish because the, the reality of it is, is I'm the only one that offered to go. I volunteered to go. I said, put me under subpoena. I'm happy to answer all your questions fully, completely. You didn't invite me, and there's a reason for that, okay? And, and to want to get your, your, your shot at making false statements to me now and hoping to catch me up and play gotcha is a silly game. The bigger issue at hand is, is, is the fact and it's the governance issue. 
One of the issues is, is what is this fight really about? And this fight is about governance. Who is going to control the governance of the University of Texas system? The law says it's us. Some politicians don't. They think it's them. And, um, you know, Representative Fisher is, is one of them. And I just I want, to get, want to give you an example is there, of this. Is there I just want to give you an ex example of, of what I mean. This is, a, this is an email invitation that, that Representative Fisher sent out Thursday, okay, to invite people to a fundraiser at uh, Ben Barnes' office yesterday. It's all about fighting for Texas, friends of UT. This is the problem. This, the, the politicians, some politicians, spend their time raising money off the backs of our universities. Sure. We're the ones who are, who are obligated to manage. Y'all don't really know anything about that. Sure. We work very hard. And we, we appreciate your service. I'm, I'm sorry sure, you I'm didn't sure come you did. to that. It was that wasn't invited. I wasn't invited. I'll set that right there. It would have been, I would have had you introduce me. And, and so the, 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 the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, is the reason why you weren't subpoenaed is that you were the only witness who wanted to be subpoenaed. Well, there was a, there was a so, so help me out here. There was, a, there was a thing about the subpoena here that if you came in a particular way, you were protected. If you came in another way, you weren't protected. Well, no, no, no. It's, you know, Everybody I, else was subpoenaed. Friendly subpoenas were issued to all university officials, which would have been me as well. And so the, the object of the subpoena is that you're forced to come against your desire. Right. And so anything you say, presumptively, will not be used against you in any subsequent proceeding. And so the strategic request to be subpoenaed, right. uh, I think many of us believe was a way for Mr. Hall to insulate himself in the event that somebody did play gotcha with him. Our attorneys asked that all of our officials be granted a subpoena. Is that a fair characterization of it? No. I mean, does it, I mean, was the no, subpoena, would, hold on a second, no, was no. the subpoena, would the subpoena have protected you in a way that testifying without a subpoena would not have protected you, and is that why you didn't go over there without one? Well, I couldn't answer the questions they were going to ask me without why? a subpoena. They were attorney-client privilege, they were FERPA, they were student privacy, and they were, or they were confidential as ruled on by the Attorney General already. They knew that. They knew the questions. So it was either going to be I'm going to go over there and say I can't answer that question, in which case he would accuse me of, of not answering the question, or else I answer the question and then I violated a rule and then I get indicted for that. You know, I would, have asked, a, I would, I would have asked a couple, no, not, absolutely not. I, I would have asked a couple of questions. And another distinction, I guess, you know, in, in, in insisting on a subpoena, another distinction that Mr. Hall had as a witness is that not only did he have a system lawyer, he had an outside lawyer protecting him. Uh, and so very rare and unique witness, if you will. But here's some fair questions that, that aren't subject to FERPA or attorney-client privilege. It's like, okay, you care about admissions. Why do you keep asking Bill Powers about his travel logs? What difference does it make on what his travel logs are? Here's another good question. Matt, why would you give... Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you two. Uh, since uh, The second would be, why would you give confidential information to an outside lawyer where no educational right of access would exist to begin with. I follow the instructions of the UT system lawyers. And that would be who? I'm just telling you I follow the legal advice. I don't, I'm not going to give you all the, the names, but that's where, I, that's where it came from. Because the, UT, the head UT lawyer for you, system lawyer, said, Wallace, you shouldn't have done that. Give it back to me. And I think you said you no, destroyed it. The head system lawyer at the time was Barry Bergdorf. No, no, I'm talking about your lawyer, Francine Frederick. I'm you said not the so AT system lawyer. Right, and, and I think that. But, you know, the, 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 I'm happy to answer your question. I follow, I've always followed the legal advice of the system in every single case. Okay. okay? And, um, you know, I, I think it's been demonstrated through the incredible scrutiny that I've been under that I've violated no policy, I've violated no rule, and I've violated no law. Okay, I think that's, I think that's pretty clear to everybody at this point. In regard to um, your question about the travel law, so we have some very, uh, the state has some very specific rules on conflicts of interest. Okay? We have ethics filings on, on how much money Absolutely. you pay. We also have questions of, of uh, uh, conflict of commitment. The idea at the time that we have a, a, a lawyer, a vendor to the University of Texas, flying the president around to Cabo San Lucas, St. Martin's, Baker's Bay, Normandy, Lisbon, all part of UT business didn't seem really appropriate to me. What's wrong with that? Well, it's a conflict of, it's a conflict of commitment. Who does, who does the president of the university answer to? And I can tell you it wasn't the board. So, you know, for, for, us, to, for us to have accurate... Um, was, was the rest of the board having a problem with that? 
Some of them were. Was a majority of the board having a problem with I that? I wasn't able to poll the board. We have very strict rules on. But I, this sort of goes to one of the, you know, one of the big questions here is what, um, in a large sense, is this about? Was this about the administration of Bill Powers? Was this about the way the University of Texas overall worked? Were you dissatisfied with the university as you found it? And from the legislature's standpoint, was this a situation where, um, I mean, was there ever a moment where you looked at this and said, you know, maybe some of that is, that's kind of an interesting inquiry, but it's attacking the university. I'm just curious what you think the larger issues are here and particularly how those go forward from here. Sure, and I, you know, I, I, think that, I think they're all important. I, you know, and I'm delighted to know the Regent Hall is concerned about ethics and conflicts and appearances and perceptions. I, you know, because he's been a regent since 2011. And in his backyard at UT Southwestern, his medical school president had about a million dollars in questionable travel expenses and travel reimbursements. They had just come off a scandal about selective access to right. Dallas hospitals. Crickets. Crickets from the regent of Dallas. No investigation, no Crow report. Uh, there was an that's internal... Not true. No, that's no, not true. When I'm done, there was an internal review, internal review, and an outside review, and he's right, that led to the president stepping down from his post, getting a pay cut to about $500,000, getting permission to work outside of UT Southwestern, and is the president today. And so what we have here in UT... What do you mean he's the president today? He is the president and professor emeritus at UT Southwestern based on the last clip that I read. Uh, and, and so... I, I don't think true. that's right. I don't not think he's true. the president. But he came back. He came back to UT Southwestern is the larger point. And, and, and so if, if it's such a big deal, if ethics and the appearance of impropriety, there were two very big instances at UT MD Anderson, UT Southwestern, where you did not see the level of scrutiny that you see here applied at UT Austin, where the net effect is 73 students receiving admission to, to... Your numbers are wrong. Your facts are wrong. Well, can you speak My to that? is wrong. Educate me. Can you speak to the Southwestern thing? What happened sure. there? And well, I mean, we, I, voted, I voted for an investigation, right. in which we had. And you know, the problem was resolved. I mean, it, it, the, the fact that I have conversations with President Podolsky don't show up in the emails, I was very much involved. Okay? And I advocated they do the right thing. I was involved in secret. You may not have seen it. Mm -hmm. But to the extent that UT Southwestern researchers were involved, I asked that all the emails be gathered immediately. You know, we need to go through, we need to come clean if we've got a problem. MD Anderson, the same thing. If, if the legislature looks at, I mean, if you, look at, if you look at that case, if you look at UT Southwestern and you say, you know, the regents should have intervened here, they should have been all over this thing, some way or some, somehow. If those regents or any of those regents saw something that they thought was going on, right or wrong, at whether they were right about it or wrong about it, at the University of Texas at Austin or at UT Dallas or wherever, Shouldn't they also have done the same thing? And how was the investigation of admissions here not that? I just think that it's the level of intensity. I mean, we, we were talking, in the instance of MD Anderson, we're talking about an SEC investigation parallel with a Food and Drug Administration inquiry right. into the president of MD Anderson, who happened to be on a director of a company that was developing a, a kidney right. uh, all, pharmaceutical. All, all true. You know what the, the difference is? When I go, went to President Podolsky, or I went to President DePino, or when I went to anybody else that worked for them, I got answers. I got truthful answers, and I got them quickly. UT Austin, you want to talk about crickets? It's where time goes to die. Mm -hmm. I mean, I couldn't get any answers. And, and that's just hard to me to understand. I mean, in the end, end, of, the, in the end of all the open records files that were created at UT, 94% of them belonged to Mr. Hall. Of the number of pages that were produced, in open records request, 800,000 pages were produced. Not true. Uh, and so, you know, if, if, if that level of scrutiny, you don't see that in UT Southwestern, you do not see that in MD Anderson, you didn't see, uh, you know. The reason why is I had, I had three schools that I had asked for to see all their open records files that have been gathered for a period of time. And I can't remember which ones they were. I think UT Southwestern was one of them. And once I started with UT Austin, you guys had a fit, and I was advised by the system and said, well, let's not go into everything. Let's just, let's just get through this one first. I said, fine. Okay. I had requested them. I had every intent to go through them, and that was, you know, it was y'all's intervention that has caused the problems for the board, not vice versa. Well, I, think it's, it's, I think it's our intervention that has actually improved the board. 
in, it, in what way? Well, I think you, it seems to be uh, operating a little bit smoother. I think that the leadership is steady. Uh, I certainly don't see the fraction in the outward uh, you know, manifestations of, of, of uh, folks not getting along. It seems to be working pretty well. Let me back up to this other thing we were talking about. So if, you see, if you're in his job and you see something you think is going wrong at UT Austin, how far should you press before the legislature says you should stop pressing? And at what point in this thing did, you, did the legislature decide, and for what reason, you know, this has gone too far. This is hurting the university more than it will help to continue with this. <clears throat> I mean, was there something in here where you said, I don't think there's anything there. This needs to stop. You know, what I believe, I, I think that, that when UT came before transparency, it was in the beginning of the UT Law Foundation. Right. And so uh, it since has grown to CPRIT, since CPRIT has gone to Board of Regents and UT Austin. Uh, and so I, I think at some level, in some juncture, uh, you know, they... Uh, the system is a quasi-governmental entity. Mm -hmm. They should be afforded the same process that any other state agency has. You know, if there is wrongdoing occurring, the people need to do something about it. He's afforded protections under whistleblower statutes to blow the whistle. No, I'm not. Uh, he has afforded I'm, the opportunity. I'm opportun not. I'm not an employee. He is, a, well, but, but all, the, all the, the information that you are gathering and all the information that you're receiving to make your board case is coming from employees within the system, correct? Okay. Right. And, and so, I, I mean... That doesn't make me... That doesn't all, allow me to be a whistleblower. But all, all systems are in place. All systems are in place. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they're all governed by the AG. They all have the ability to talk to the AG. That's their lawyer. Uh, they can come talk to us. Uh, the, the notion that, that there has to be this combative relationship, I, I don't think so. This committee didn't exist. Fighting for Texas. Fighting for Texas. The combativeness comes from y'all. If we had been allowed to do our job, our findings on the law school, our findings on the endowment improprieties, our findings on procurement, sure. our findings on TPIA, our findings on, on admissions, all of which all of which have proven to be true, by the way, okay, would have been handled quietly without the, without the damage that y'all have done to the institution. Yeah, Not I, only the system, but the University of Texas. I mean, be, before Completely you, improper. Well, I mean, before you take that victory lap, I mean, what you're talking about, that the end of the Crow Report says, nothing changes, you, letters will be treated a certain way, and if a president admits a student with a different criteria, they have to tell the chancellor. I'm not so sure. So, the, I mean, so the, crawl, the crawl was hired, and they weren't, as part of their, their uh, scope of work, they were not asked to give us any recommendations. They chose to do so, that's fine. It's the, it's the board's decision. And that decision was done 7 1. I think you voted against it. I did vote against it. And, and so, so I'm glad, that, although you voted against it, you concede that you fixed it. I mean, and so. It, I concede that it's better. You're not going to have the, the massive abuse that you had before. And I know you're fond of quoting the 73 students or whatever. But it was hundreds of students. It was thousands of students. Okay? The Crow Report was a decent report. It wasn't great. It was decent. Okay? But there were thousands of students. It, it was someplace between there was th Tell us what thousands of students got. That came in through the back door. That would not have otherwise been admitted to the University of That's Texas. That's correct. And you're talking about 10 to 15% of that 15% that gets in holistically. Mm -hmm. That's significant. But it's not, just the, the, it's not just the hundreds of students who, I think, got cheated out of their opportunity to attend the university. The real problem is that the people who, who have been benefiting, particularly in the political class, ha have been using it to freeze us out of our governance. And that's, what, that's what's happened, okay? It's the special access that the politicians have had that, that with, the, with the wave of the flag, um, you know, the attack dogs would come out of the pink building at the, at the board for trying to manage and govern. And that's, that's the real problem. That's the process that needs to be fixed. Did, why did Kroll not come back and say there's thousands of these cases? I mean, you know, if there's thousands of these things, that, and it maybe it's know, running. And, and being, being fair to Mr. Hall, I, maybe the number he's relying on is the number of files that actually were placed on hold relative versus the number of files with their admissions. Is that, is that no, not the case? No. Then, then, then dispute the 73 number. Why, why is the 73 number the one widely reported and used? Well, the data that we've seen since would show that it's significantly more. But the problem is, the board has never provided the opportunity to even interview the Kroll investigators, which I, I have a problem with, which is part of the reason why I've asked for the, for the working papers from the Kroll investigation, which I've been denied today. 
And, I haven't been able to answer that question a and lot. I, and I guess, I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious as to what is that limit? I mean, this is, you, you know, this is, a, this is a number of reviews for the same issue, wouldn't you agree? I mean, number how many reviews do you need, you know, to, to make sure? As many as it takes to get to the bottom. Listen, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, they've had a terrible scandal in their, in their academic department having to do with athletics, okay? You know how many reviews of reviews of reviews they had? They had 11 before the 12th one nailed them. Hmm. Okay, and it took a dozen years. Okay, we, I, I would hope we'd do better, but we don't stop just because we get a report that, that is that is not perfect. We need to fix the problem. What would convince you you were at the bottom of it? Um, I mean, I, I don't know what I don't know. I mean, I mean I'd like to see the information. So, somewhere in here, there's a line. There's got to be a line between you know this guy took a shot at this problem and. We have this many reports, and I don't think there's a problem there. This ought to stop, and I think that's kind of what the legislature's saying. Well, I mean, the legislature said that to a point, but the board, the system has said it. I mean, by a 7-1 vote, okay, thank you for the report. Here's our recommendations. We'll adopt them, move on. And, and so, uh, and, and at some point, I mean, while Mr. Hall is a fiduciary for the system, for the institutions, so is everybody else. Right. And, and by, by consensus of the other fiduciaries, they want to move on. And, and I don't see... So the board voted to move on with the, with the initial law school review. And then we had a review of the initial law school review. And then the AG reviewed all of it and said, and blessed it. And then we found that it was, that it was a sham. And so we, we had another investigation. And that proved to be different than the first three. Okay, so, you know, I think you, I think you pursue the, the information and the evidence to its natural conclusion and you find out what's taking place, and then you fix it, and you move on. I, the, the part I don't get is when, when, when we were called before the Transparency Committee, you asked, the, the, the committee asked us for anything that you wanted, that you wanted uh, us to look at. And I gave you stuff to look at, and it included admissions. Why didn't you all look at it? Well, I think that the committee, you know, chose its own course of action. Uh, I know that, but why? But why? And I think that, you know, certain recalcitrance by certain invited witnesses, I mean, obviously shaped our views. I think it's, you know, it, it's, one, it's one matter to, you know, choose whether or not you want to participate in the proceeding. It's an entirely another matter to tell us how to do our jobs. I mean, I think that that is, that says a whole lot. I mean, that's not the kind of micromanagement we're used to from outside agencies. Uh, well, I didn't tell you how to do your job. You asked for information. We gave it to you. And then you never once pursued any of it. And, and by the way, I was the last witness asked. Okay, so the, the idea that somehow my involvement uh, kept you, my recalcitrance kept you from doing your job is preposterous. I mean, any, any, you're the only person in that entire cast of characters that expressed hesitation, reservation, and insisted on redacting your own emails before they went out. Uh, and so just by virtue of your appearance or what line you were in to appear, the things that you were doing behind the scenes were pretty clear to me that you had no intention of cooperating. You, you said a minute ago that you felt like the admissions policy is better now than it was before sure. you started. I'm, I'm curious at the legislative level, you know, when you, when you go into a thing like this and you're unhappy with an appointee at an agency um, and you go through a process like this, do you feel like the process is better now for having gone through that? Is okay. the legislature through with this or is this have you laid something open that the legislature still needs to work I think on? it's the manner and means of who you're dealing with. I mean, CPERT is a very good example. This is an entity that we gave $4 billion of authority to. Found themselves in the midst of scandal. Right. People were indicted and tried. A number of allegations being alleged at UT Southwestern and MD Anderson. And then you had someone like Wayne Roberts come in and say, hey, we're going to clean it up. What's it going to take? We're here. We'll, co we'll cooperate. We'll participate. Right. And... That is a very clear signal of an entity that wants to self-regulate and get on the right path. Right. In the instance of UT system, it was some cooperation, lots of pushback, and then here are the parameters by which we'll talk to you. That's not, you know, to me, that's not a relationship that is working, uh, you know, to fulfill something with, with a best practice and a positive end. Uh, it certainly raises the question for us because I think that we are certainly fiduciaries too. We actually have constituents too, and we have not only a ethical obligation to serve those constituents, we have a constitutional yeah. obligation to those constituents. Yeah. So the, the, the difference is, is that in our situation, certainly as it relates to admissions, is that the politicians were involved, okay, in the influence peddling and the corruption. You know, so it was tough for us to get to the bottom of it. We were mm -hmm. fighting those that were benefiting from it. Right. But the, the I mean, there, there were 100... Said, well, hold on a second. The Kroll report said that 
I think 70%, I don't remember the exact number, that most of these recommendations or um, most of this pressure was coming not from the legislature, but from the regions. Well, I was gonna say, I mean, like, you know, well, what, what about the part of the report that says, oh, regions do this too? I mean, and, and I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I was against that as well. Well, I'm curious, you know, there's sort of an overarching thing here. I mean, you know, we all vote for these people, we put them in office, they run all these institutions, they appoint people to run these institutions, mm -hmm. they do all of this stuff, and presumably, I think, you know, at some point, a lot of us look at this and say, you know, our assumption is that the executive and the legislature and the judiciary are sort of all moving in the same direction. This is all one enterprise, and it looks like, you know, we've got this fight over, we've got two groups, we've got regents, we've got legislators fighting over this university, and, you know, arguably to the university's detriment, you know, which kind of goes to your point. Um, well, I just hope that we have this number of reviews on campus carry. You know, that, that's, that's what I want to, I mean, if we're going to apply this level of scrutiny, we need 12-year terms for regents, because it's clear in, in his six years, he's still fighting. I believe, like, your, your term is up, what, next year, I believe, or something like that. And so, you know, clearly we're not giving these regions enough time by Mr. Hall's standards to get to the bottom of things because he will turn out before he gets the answers to his questions. And on the other hand, the legislature that'll be there in some form or fashion with the current membership or with another membership, their responsibility doesn't end. I mean, they will continue to provide the oversight and governance for all state bodies. Well, the system is, you know, our anticipated revenues this year are $17 billion. We've got the largest endowment arguably in the world. We've got 220,000 students, 92,000 employees, and the board's work is never going to be done. There will always be something to be pursuing. I mean, it's, it's, it's no different than the legislature in terms of the perpetuality of the, of the obligation. Um, so, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's hard from outside to tell whether, you know, you want the legislature to rein in a rogue appointee, right? When, yeah. when you do. I mean, if you get a rogue appointee somewhere, part of the legislature's job, that's why you have the power of impeachment. And mm -hmm. You also want appointees and people in those positions to be able to exercise their oversight. So at what point does, where's the line between, you know, that guy right there went too far, that guy right there actually may have a fish on his right. I mean, everybody may see it differently. My role is not on rogue officials. My, well, that's my what role, this has been about. Well, it? my role is on rogue agencies, right? And if that behavior lies with one official, well, that's what it is. Secret wasn't one individual. You know, mm -hmm. secret was systemic. Uh, and, and so, you know, UIL was not one individual. Right. Uh, so, so in this instance, it just happens to be one individual. But our obligation is not, you know, to, to weed out Mr. Hall. Our obligation is to make sure that the, those relationships with the system are meeting expectations. Uh, and when you look at, we don't have the benefit of making decisions on regents' rules. Mm -hmm. We have state law. And when state law says you're to be the cheerleader for those campuses, that's and you're not, not what, that's not what state law says, right? Well, you are supposed to support and nurture yeah. and that, and further their independence. And when that's not happening, of course we're going to that, step in. That shows a complete lack of understanding about what a fiduciary's duty is and what the and what the law actually says. And um, I, I quoted and, the law. And, no. and if if all if all we had were cheerleaders, it would be a disaster. What, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. What about this? What you know? Was there some thing about this where you personally or you as a legislative body looked at this and said, you know, we got to jump into this. What was, yeah. the, what was the thing? And that's, and that's the funny thing. I, I think this committee, if you'd have told this committee that we'd spend the entire term and the entire interim working on one agency, we would have laughed. Because I think that the, you know, the title of the committee is very broad. Uh, and the scope was TxDOT. The scope was DPS. The scope was much larger than system. But we began with the UT Law Foundation. We were saddled with CPRIT. And we ended with, you know, the admissions investigation mm -hmm. and the alignment between system and UT Austin. You know, you couldn't have predicted that. Uh, in, in fact, you know, the committee has now been disbanded and been dispersed in other committees. Uh, but that sort of speaks to, you know, what the priority was at the time. And, and nobody volunteered. Nobody said, hey, this, wouldn't this be a great idea? It just it became, you know, the charge. Right, let me ask you about those two things that you pointed out. Is, do you think the admissions process is corrected to the legislature's satisfaction, A, and, and B, do you think that that alignment between the university and the regents is, is you know, for, uh, corrected? I think this, I think, I think for me, not the legislature, I think the Crow Report is evidence that we spent a lot of time and resources and got a little bang for our buck. And yes, maybe the system was better, maybe, you know, some, some flags were alerted and 
and people were called in, you know, called to the carpet. But the end result, you know, to me was not was unimpressive. As it relates to the relationship between the system and the legislature, I think that there's been a partial hitting of the reset button. Uh, I think that you know many people have suggested and intimated that they like to move down the road and let bygones be bygones and everybody put their best foot forward. Uh, but there's still some lingering you know issues that that should be resolved and and really uh, you know we shouldn't be dealing with. What's your version of this? Um, you know, I, I think that it, it's great when our state agencies have good relationship with the legislature. I don't think it's a popularity contest. Um, we do not work for you. We work for the people of Texas. Totally. So, yeah, we, bo we both do. Well, uh, I, I, I get nothing out of it. I have no political aspirations. You should aspirations. see my paycheck. I have no, I have no political aspirations. I have... Okay, you get nothing, he gets 600 bucks. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I, think there's, I think there's more than that involved with, with, with some of the politicians in terms of, of how they uh, further their, their businesses. But it, it's, um, you know, it, it's not our, it's, it, our role is to manage. And, uh, and, you, and you made a comment that, um, you know, your expectations, I mean, your expectations, all I heard was that, that the board's getting along better. Right. Well, I mean, that really is immaterial. I mean, that's not what it's about. I mean, it, you know, I was with uh, Governor Mitch Daniel last night in Washington, and he was talking about the changes they've made and, how, and, the, and $50 million in, in debt that didn't appear for his students because of their ability to, to limit the tuition increases. That's what we're working on. Y'all don't even know what the questions are, much less the answers. Yeah. But we just know things like you using the puff, spending more money than you should. Uh, so you're, but you're wrong about that, too. Well, you I, don't I spend just, enough out of the puff. I just, I just, I just read what's reported. Uh, no, I, because I, know, I, I can't get you to come to the committee. And, and so, so listen, I mean, let, let's, let's be fair. I get nothing out of this, right? I get nothing out of this. I'm a, I'm a lonely appointee mm -hmm. who happens to do business with TechStop, right? Who, who happens to do business with TechStop. Uh, and, and so let, let, let's be clear, politicians and what they have in it for that. them. What, what do you have it? What do you have in this? And, and, and what motivates you? You, you want to you know, criticize Ben Barnes, but yet you can write a $10,000 check to Dan Patrick. You can invest in PACs and... And, and nobody should judge you. I mean, listen, this is politics, right? This is, this not, is not the, this isn't the country club, right? I this mean, is politics. If, if and, anybody and, doesn't mind being judged, I think I've proven yeah. I don't mind being judged. So let me, let me back up to UT for just a second. Um, where, does it, where are we now? This continues? You're, you're still busy? You're still working on this? So I have, um, I went to the AG because I was unable to get the, the materials uh, from the, the Crow report. This is about when? Oh, it's been a number of months of the spring. So this is this year? This year. Okay. And, um, um, you know, the board had a vote, said, give me the materials. Chancellor refused to give them to me. Um, I went to the AG, got a legal, you know, got an AG opinion that said that the, uh, the board and the chancellor were in violation of the state law. We did nothing. And so I went back to the AG and I got permission to hire an attorney. And I've now, now filed suit against the chancellor in his official capacity. And we have a hearing next month on the matter. We have a competing motions for uh, summary judgment. And I'm hoping to get some, some, um, um, some documents. And where do you think those lead? I don't know. But the, the, but the fact that, that um, our you know, employees for which the board has oversight refuses to give uh, any member of the board any information that they request is not appropriate. It's in, it's in violation of the rules and the law. And, um, and, you know, the, the, the fact that I can't get it makes me more interested in it. Yeah. I and mean, that's human nature. How would you? I think that the chancellor is empowered to make that call. And, and so, you know, the partial hitting of the reset button speaks to exactly to this. I mean, all of this said and done and we're still suing, you know, the chancellor that sits across the table. Uh, this is the, you don't see this behavior at any other state agency in the state. And so, so if it gets him interested that there's documents that they have that they won't, don't want to give him, it gets me interested mm -hmm. when the folks that sit in the same boardroom, uh, you know, have to sue each other across the table to do their governance. And to me, that speaks to a level of dysfunction that maybe perhaps, maybe we should pay more attention. Maybe we should ask more questions. Uh, you know, That'd so. Be great. Ask more. Okay. I mean, you are, you are completely entitled to do that. Okay, I'm going to do this a little bit gingerly. There is a microphone there and a microphone there. Here's the rules. Here's the rules. Don't make speeches. Let them answer your questions. Don't argue with them from the mic, but we'd love to hear your questions. So there's a mic here and a mic here. Um, do you, are you confident in the uh, new administration? A lot of this circulated, circled around the personality of Bill Powers, frankly. And 
both in the legislative arena, um, please correct me if you disagree with that, both in the region arena and the legislative arena, how do you feel about the new administration? Is that part of this reset? I'll start here. You know, I, I, I've had the opportunity to meet President Fenves. He seems like a really nice guy. I knew him when he was in his former capacity. And, you know, and to me, I, I never really viewed this uh, from the personality or the person. I think, you know, you look at the issue and mm -hmm. from what I can see from my outside eye, they're having a very successful academic year and done very well in their capital campaign. And you're comfortable with the way the governance is going right now? Uh, with regard to the well, university let's, or let's, the system? Let's answer both of those. Well, with regard to the university, I think it's, you know, I really have no basis to judge. I mean, with regard to the system, I mean, I, I think I said very clearly, if you have to sit in a boardroom and you can't talk to somebody because they're represented by counsel, that's a problem. Um, as I said before, I, I have great confidence in uh, Dr. Finvez. He's a, he's, a, he's a different person. He's got a new administration. Um, you know, he has some lofty goals. I'm eager to see his, his plan on yeah. how he's going to integrate undergrad with research. Um, and so we'll wait and see. Were the problems that you were and are trying to get at systemic or were they part of the other administration? I think um, the culture is set at the top. And if you've been there one year, your culture hasn't really made it down through the, through the whole mountain. I think if you've been there eight or nine or ten years, I think the, uh, the culture was very um, uh, intractable. And I think that uh, Dr. Finvez is going to have some, you know, it's going to be a period of time before he's able to, to get all of his own people in there and, and make his, his, uh, his plan effective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a great old line that when the elephants fight, the grass suffers. And in this case, to some extent, the elephants are the regents. And I wonder if, you know, to what extent has the noise in the system and the problems in the system come from that head, not from the heads of the institutions? How much of this is reflective of what's going on at the regions? And how how much, I'm not sure I understand. How, how, much of, of what you see as, how much of what you see as institutional problems here are problems at the regent level and not problems at the university level here, there, here, Dallas, or wherever? No, I think these problems were, were at the institution. And, um, and then the, the, you know, the board reacted to the information as, it, as, as we got it. Mm -hmm. And then we had to deal with uh, an incredible amount of pressure that came from a variety of sources, be it the press, be it from, you know, some members of the political body. Um, and, you know, so we've had to deal with that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, um, you know, I, I don't think it's, the, the, the board's bigger problem is that we don't govern. You know, that's, that's the real issue is this board has been frozen out and does not um, um, take on the, the, the serious issues having to do with you know, what do we get? What does the state get for our investment? Right. And, and, and what are we doing about it? You know, we're, we're supposed to be worrying about the future. And, um, and this has been a, a, a very serious distraction to that. But that's, what the, but that's what the fight really is about. And I guess, you know, it gets to a point. I mean, again, I'll, I'll just restate. I mean, if you're in a lawsuit with the chancellor and really by order of law, you really can't talk to your right. opponent without their attorney present, that's a problem. When there's a series of 7-1 votes or if there's an adoption of a 7-1 vote of the Crow Report and you still continue to fight, uh, you know, that speaks to a level of, you know, there's, there, there needs to be at some point when there's a consensus of the fiduciaries that it's time to move on. And, and so I think that, again, you know, uh, what one clear example of all this that's happened is this isn't going to happen in a six-year term. And so the notion that we give regions six-year terms, I think it's not to get deep like this, it's to be able to govern and, and be able to, to know your institutions and be there and support your institutions, but at some point you transition and move on. I mean, I, this is a very clear example of, of, of what's happening here. I, I say it respectfully, I, I don't believe we'll be done uh, if Mr. Hall doesn't get a second term. We'll be done. I mean, in other words, like, uh, the, 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 the level of clarity and finality that he wants is not, not likely to occur uh, in, in, at the expiration of his sixth year. Okay. Let me open one more can. We have just a few more minutes because there's no line at the mic. Um, oh, we, have, we have a couple more minutes here. Um, hang, on, hang on one second. There's, this was preceded by and continues to be surrounded by a philosophical fight of some order around, you know, what are colleges for? And how is this going to run? It was preceded by, you know, there's, there's been a push by some, particularly uh, in the Perry administration, for, you know, these schools ought to be more accountable. There were the red and black spreadsheets at Texas A&M, there was the conversation about the seven steps and all of this kind of stuff. 
how much of this is all about how these universities ought to run and a political or a philosophical or an ideological difference between the way career educators want to run these things and the way political appointees and, and politicians want to run these things? I'll let either one of you jump at that. You know, I think it's, I think it's clear from emails produced that that is clearly an undercurrent taking place at the system level on these seven solutions to higher education and the different philosophies that the two competing camps have as to what a college uh, needs to and should be doing. Uh, and, and, it's, and I think that maybe that provided the tinder for the fires that were created that blew into the admission scandal. So um, we never really got there. We never really got to the philosophical conversations about, um, about the education itself. Right. And the, you know, this was really a manufactured crisis from this side. And, um, you know, so we, we've, had to, we've had to deal with this. And, um, but the, the reality of it is, is, you know, you've had this political fight over governance, and which has kept us, kept us busy. But the big issues um, are, you know, are accessibility, cost, debt loads, quality. You know, these are the things that really matter. What do, you know, and we have to, and that's, and that's very intense management. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, and, you know it, it, we spend an enormous amount of time, I mean, like a full-time job trying to understand all this. And, and the idea that, that uh, um, you know, that a committee's gonna come in and, and, and weigh in on this without even talking about the details mm -hmm. is, you know, is, you know, that shows their colors. Well, whatever so was, manufa whatever was manufactured, yeah. it led to a new chair of the Board of Regents. It led to new regents. It's led to new governance that now seems to be governing by a coalition of seven to one. Uh, you know, I, I guess our job is to make things perfect under Mr. Hall standards, and I think that the good that's being done at the system, uh, you know, that you can't outweigh that. We, had a, new, we had a new chair because Gene Powell, who was a terrific leader, rolled off. We had new regents because the other regents rolled off and were new appointees. That has nothing to do with, with anything. I think rolling off is a little bit of an understatement. I think that uh, Mr. Powell probably had a desire to serve a second term, and I think that's not in dispute. Uh, and, and so he may have rolled off. Uh, he fell off. Let's try our one brave citizen here. Okay. <laughs> Judge, a simple question is, um, has this um, experience of the quest for transparency to obtain information which collided, it sounds, with the political world. Uh, has that moved out into other conversations for others of our institutions? Because I do believe there is a concern about politics overriding searching the, for the honest need, uh, the need for honest information. Are you talking it moved about, outside of just the university. Are you talking about within the UT system or within no, other throughout the state. I'm not, is, is your question whether or not the, the, the efforts for transparency, have they spread? Well, you're bringing to light, you've, yeah. at least I've heard it, right. that your quest for transparency then is frustrated by politics. Right. Is that right? Yes. Okay. That's an important conversation right. because as a citizen in quest of yeah. transparency, right. I've run into politics uh, not, not wanting to deal with what is necessarily transparent. Right. I wonder I, if it, it's gone beyond just the University of Texas throughout the state and other institutions. I, I think what the, the politicians, some politicians have done to us has, has damaged our entire system of, of governance because it's chilled inquiry. It's chilled our, our, our uh, you know, what reasonable person is going to want to volunteer for a board and be attacked by a politician who, who is the subject of the, of, the, uh, of the inquiry, if you will. And so I think, it's, I think it's been damaging, and I'm worried about that, which is one of the reasons why I've had to file the lawsuit against the chancellor, because to not do so would be to set a precedent that every other state agency employee could use to say, I'm not going to give you information. So that's why we're here. Except those employees could be whistleblowers. Yes, they could. Okay. And so there is a check on that behavior. No, 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 no there's no check. Well, you said that I mean, this, this, is, this is a precedent that's going to be set for other employees at other agencies. Yeah, well, if they I, have the right I, to seek yeah. whistleblower status, well, if you don't like the answer. I've, see, I've, right. I've, seen, how, I've seen the whistleblowers, and they live in fear on these campuses, okay? That's not the way it works. Got one more question. Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, more a statement than a question. Is somebody I'd, I'd, I'd appreciate a question if you got one at the end, rather than a speech. I really don't. <laughs> okay. okay. So you want the statement or not? 
I'd, I'd say no. Uh, okay. Thank you. Um, the, University of, the University of Texas is a better university for all of this or not? Yes, absolutely. You know, I think it's an unfortunate chapter in its history. You think we moved backwards? Well, I mean, I think that, it, you know, you always want to put your best foot forward. Uh, and I think that it was unfortunate. Uh, and at the same time, you know, this is not only, I mean, forget President Powers, forget Gene Powell. Think about the number of employees. Barry Bergdorf losing his job. The number of employees that walked away from the system because they were tired of what was going on. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, when, when any institution loses their best and brightest employees because of morale, you can't be proud of that. Not once today have you mentioned students. Everything I do is focused on the students. And if there's not a positive impact for the students, I'm not going to work on it. And that, that, makes, me very, that makes me very happy because when those students said, keep President Powers, you, you listened to them. I could, I could tell. That's uh, not and so, I mean, if this is about the students, the students spoke to you very clearly by the resolution through their elected student representatives to say, keep President Powers, and, and you took their advice and concerns to heart. And so, you know, maybe I should thank you on behalf of the students at UT. I think we're going to have to cut it there. We could go another couple of hours. Wallace Hall, Trey Martinez Fisher, give them a hand, please.